0: Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspire. Here's your host, Laura Smith.
1: Welcome. To the Way Home family, WO in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm so grateful to have you along on what is now a four-year journey of the Way Home with Laura Smith, and this just happens to be episode number two hundred. It all feels very auspicious to me, and I'm just so grateful to be here with you and all of you, also of course in Michigan at WTRC, and also in Greenwich, Connecticut on WGCH. Thank you so much for this monumental uh, move. to episode 200, where we've got some wonderful books that are being highlighted with great authors. And uh, of course, Good News Stories at the End with Jim Cleefield, our guru of good news. The first book is The Side Road, Finding Joy and Purpose Through the Twists and Turns of Life. Link Forrester is my first guest. You're going to find it inspirational as I did. And after that, we have a miracle story of sorts, God's modern miracle, uh, basically an incredible survival story of a pastor. It's called Gunshot Witness, the Tim Remington story, going to hear all about the miracle of this pastor who miraculously survived after being shot point blank many times. And it is by Amy Joy Hess another delightful writer. Also, we're going to hear a little bit about open enrollment because we are at the very tail end of being able to jump in and take advantage of some of the great uh, packages that are left for people to sign up for. And then, of course, like I said, good news stories at the end, which we always love to share with you so that you can go out into your work week and just feel like, well, on a high note, so to speak. We're brought to you by the wonderful people at Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule is a jam-packed nutritional punch with 31 fruits and vegetables and 10 servings of them when you take three of the vegetables and three of the fruits every single day. They've been a wonderful, wonderful addition to my life for the last 13 years. And I hope you as well uh, find all the goodness and possibility of great nutrition when you take balance of nature. When we come back, it's Link Forrester with The Side Road. Don't go away. It's the way home.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I
1: have to pinch myself because it's hard to imagine that when we started the program four years ago, just had our uh, four-year anniversary on 11-11, and it's hard to imagine that we are up upon what is now our 200th episode of The Way Home. And not only that, but we are starting or including a brand new station to the family that would be WoWo, the great WoWo in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is a legacy station, a huge flamethrower, as we call it in the business, 50,000 watts. And with uh, a wonderful, amazing, uh, faithful, loving audience that has been with the station for like a hundred years or something truly remarkable. So we're so grateful to be not only on our 200th episode, but here um, amongst uh, the great people of Fort Wayne, in addition to Connecticut, Westchester, and Northern Michigan. So we have a great book. I think that just kind of sums up a lot of, of what we do here on the way home, which is have great conversations, wonderful meaningful, fun, delightful, inspirational, often faith-filled conversations with people who just truly have lived life in a way that they have something to teach us and something to share. And so today is no exception. I'm really excited to have on a gentleman who has written a book that I enjoyed immensely. It's called The Side Road, Finding Joy and Purpose Through the Twists and Turns of Life. Mr. Link Forrester, thank you so much for joining us on our 200th episode.
2: Laura, so happy to be here. Thank you.
1: Isn't it funny how things go? Because when I started this show called The Way Home in Connecticut, New York, I had been living there for 40 years, and within three months, I had decided to pick up and move back to my hometown in Elkhart, Indiana, to be closer to my parents. It was during the pandemic, and it was such a twist and turn that I had not expected, that I never thought in a million years would ever happen. And yet here we are, lo and behold, and it's going on three and a half years. And the show is now, you know, expanding in the state of Indiana and beyond. So I am thrilled. This book it was just a lovely um, it was a lovely m- missive about truly taking life head on the way you have with your family and being completely open and raw about what it means to live it in a way that's fulfilling to you, that brings meaning to your life, has a sense of purpose behind it. And I would call it real success, truly, within your family. You've had some hard things. You've had some beautiful things. But a lot of it is just beautifully done with tongue-in-cheek humor. Actually, write-out dad jokes. Um, <laughs> you, you've, got, you've got it all going on in the side road. Thank you for doing it. I think it was your son, Cole, who encouraged you to write it. Is that true?
2: That is true. Cole, is, it's his fault. If you don't like it, you can blame him. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, he... Uh, he really encouraged me to write the book. He even went so far as to line up five interviews with me, like with ghostwriters and writing coaches and a company called Script. And after all that, I said, okay, Cole, I'm not sure I want to do this. I don't even journal that well, but I'll, I'll try. So I started writing a bunch of life stories. I wrote about 25 of them. And then I said, well, if I was going to write a book, what would the chapter titles look like? Chapter titles and then I would take a story, we'd try to write about it. And, uh, I really liked it, surprisingly enough. And about three quarters of the way done, being done, I did hire a writing coach. She helped me pull it all together. A publisher took it first try. And so yeah, it was a great, great experience.
1: Well, I love what grabbed me when your publisher sent it to me, your publicist, I should say, was the concept of a side road, right? Because we're all encouraged for most of our life, whether it's from our parents, our institutions, our, you know, churches, anything, but to stay on a a certain road, right? And it's the narrow path that usually does it. But the idea of there being a side road and what that means figuratively and actually, uh, you know, as well in, in, in very literal terms. Tell us what you mean by the side road, because it really is uh, just a, a wonderful story about your life trajectory. And it starts basically when you meet your wife in college and you're both cheerleaders for, is it Auburn in Georgia? It is a, Auburn. So yeah, you at, know we're,
2: we're frustrated fans. We're having to deal with the most recent fourth and 31 debacle. So it's been uh, a, it's been a struggle.
1: Well, and then there's a lot of allusions in here to golf as well. So, uh, you know, obvious there are these types of things that really um, uh, get you going. But the side road in itself, the concept of that, tell us what you meant by that. Um, There's a lot of um, references to faith, to God, your relationship with God in here. Tell us how it all culminates into the side road.
2: Well, the book kind of focuses on three sort of major life events. And in those life events, some of them can really be real killers, real struggles. So my wife and I had everything going in college and life was going great. And then we were pregnant and we, uh, decided to get married right away. And I would say most marriages, you know, they get started that way, don't, don't make it. And now we're in our 37th year. So it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, the second is I left sort of a normal corporate job to start my own job and all the challenges are involved in having your own business and a business and a, and a career where most people fail and, and that's really worked out. And then, and then obviously the biggest uh, event in our life was we lost our child uh, when he was in college. And um, so the side road is having things in your life that allow you to persevere to overcome, to find a way to find still joy in life, to to live in a way with purpose, at, even with all this loss and baggage that's still with you. And that there's no uh, secret that those kind of things are so hard. But it's just having a, a different mindset that allows you to live still with joy and passion and all of that.
1: And, and indeed, it sounds like you did. I mean, you obviously weathered what would probably be considered the hardest thing in life, losing a child um, unexpectedly. And so you you live through it somehow and you're still able to experience joy in your life, uh, experience success with your work and with your family. But I, I noticed that there was something that you said about there are three or four things that you know, you have to focus on in your life in order to have this, this sense of purpose and meaning two of them, you choose and two of them, you don't choose. Can you elaborate a little bit on that?
2: Yes. Um, so, uh, I wake up every morning and I try to tell me, tell myself four things. Um, I am loved. I am free. I am secure and I am happy. And, um, Two of the things, you know, uh, you're not always happy. So you go through times in life where your happiness factor can be somewhat low. And you're not always free to do the things you want to do. Right now, I'm pretty healthy. We have a fair amount of financial security. So life is good, but those things can change. We could, our health could change. So I'm not free to go play golf or do things I like to do. And, um, and just life has a way of uh, those things changing. But the two things that never change is I'm loved. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by my family. Um, that can never change. And that love is unconditional. And um, I'm secure. I'm secure in my faith. I I um, feel like I can, that I can never lose that. No matter what happens to me in life, I'm fine. And the other thing I talk about is having sort of an eternal worldview that my life isn't just going to be these 80 years here on earth. I mean, I got another, you know, millions after. And so I, um, you know, this is just a short window and it, and I'm only going to miss my son for a while and hopefully we'll be reunited uh, down the road for a long time. And so, yeah, it allows you to sort of overcome sort of these temporal and the issues aren't temporal because they're that's sort of one of these things you don't recover from the loss of a child, but it's not forever for me. It's for the next however many years I'm just here. So,
1: right. And you, fortunately, but also by choice and by great purpose, married someone that has a similar mindset, I would say, it sounds like from reading the book about your wife, Carla. And, And great love between you. So that helps as well, obviously, right? Because when you have steadiness in your family, steadiness in your love, in your home, um, that gives you a sense of security as well. And you're both on the same page. You may not be exactly the same people, but you have similar life goals, it sounds like. And um, I would say also priorities. And you talk about priorities in the side road. And, you know, it's really I think it's important. I think that's where some of us do sometimes seem to lose our way or if, you know, maybe we're not totally lost, but we're wondering where, what's next or whatever. But having priorities is a big one, right?
2: I completely agree. I call them absolutes. I mean, we have absolutes in our life. We believe in absolute truth. We believe that we absolutely will never consider divorce. So now what? Figure it out. Find a way, um, and Carla and I do believe the same things. But it, it don't 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 let me. There's no secret. It's a tough road. Marriage is hard. You, there's when you go through hard times, and and she and I grieve very differently, and it just it, it it's just hard. So finding commonality in what you believe, finding purpose in that, being. Uh, and finding that when things are good so you can go through these tough times because there are tough times ahead for all of us. None of us are going to escape through. There are going to be all kind of issues ahead of us. And um, right now, thankfully, we're in a little bit of a window where things seem to be less more. – they're more calm, and that's good. But it, it won't always be that way. I'm confident of that.
1: Right. And it's kind of an acceptance, isn't it, you know, and knowing that it's, it, it may – have different aspects of it that, you know, become difficult or, or, or different. But that whole concept of um, never going to divorce that absolute, I think that's what helped a lot of people kind of in in another era, my parents, for example, they they didn't have a lot in common, they were almost opposites. But that was really that that was just a given no, they were not going to get divorced so that then gives them you know opportunity and and room to figure out how you how are you going to get over the, whatever this problem is or this difference of being or opinion so I think that's been so helpful in in times past it seems a little bit like younger generations think of that more as so constricting that that's you know personal happiness comes first, and then you know, so if that means you don't like your partner anymore you you move on um and maybe for some people that that is a good recipe, and it does work. But I think choosing not to and working through things is really valiant, and I've never been married, so here I am talking as though I know what I'm talking about, but I don't and but you do link Forrester and you've got all these wonderful situations, and like you said, you started your life with your wife unexpectedly, you know, getting pregnant while you were still in college. And I, I'm sure you both sets of parents had something to say about that at that time. And, and yet you worked through it. And so uh, that's a beautiful thing. What are some of the other? I mean, you're very funny. It, it seems like we're talking on a kind of a deep level here. But the book really is cute. It's very funny. You've got a great sense of humor. How much of success and happiness in life comes from keeping a good sense of humor having one
2: I mean I think a sense of humor is is so important I, I mean don't take yourself too seriously uh, I mean I may I mean I make so many mistakes uh, every day every hour I tell people who like me I mean just give me enough time I'm no I'm gonna disappoint you it's, it's gonna be okay um, let's just let's just like each other anyway let's don't let all our performance get in the way and um, yeah there are a lot of funny stories in the book. I, I do feel like humor is almost a uh, um, uh, curse for me. I, I tell a story in the book of me, uh, I was going in for a colonoscopy. And uh, I was coming out from under under anesthesia. And this nurse was saying, Mr. Forrester, please be quiet. Please, <laughs> please stop talking. And of course, I'm not even know what I'm saying, right? I'm just I'm coming out of anesthesia. And to my wife, they get my wife and she comes in here and, and I'm telling her a joke, you know, a, a, a funny joke. And um, and uh, so we're all sitting there and, and the doctor kind of comes in here and, and sits down next to my wife. And by the way, my my colonoscopy's name, I mean, my gastroenterologist's name is Dr. Sunshine. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> funny in and of itself. Right. So he comes in there and he sits by my wife and uh, looks, looks at her and goes, man. She goes, your husband, he's kind of full of, <laughs> and my wife goes, "Well, you're right normally, but today, n- n- not today, it's empty." <laughs> so, I thought that was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, seriously, um, you can't make that stuff up. No, but it's no. it's truly self deprecating, in, in the way that you really position a lot of your humor in the book, and I get the feeling the people that can laugh with other people but laugh at themselves is probably a very um i don't know it helps alleviate so much of the stress and the perfection that we expect from ourselves and others humor is truly uh, a great antidote for that um link forrester uh now that your children are grown you still live in the same neighborhood as your parents your son lives across the street with your three grandchildren It's you've kept your family close throughout this, um, throughout all of it. And how much how important is that, do you think, towards uh, creating joy and meaning in your life, too, is being close to family? A lot of us are like I was separated from my parents for years and years. And then to move here towards them and right near them um, for the last three and a half years was was really a blessing. But for years and years, we did not live near each other.
2: Yeah. I think relationships are are the key to life relationship with friends and and particularly relationship with family. And, uh, yeah, now I have four grandchildren that live across the street from me. So my oldest son now has four kids. And then my n- other son now moved in the same neighborhood and he has a baby. So Now we have five children, but the truth is my family has separation issues. We like to be together. We like to get together. My parents still live, uh, in the same neighborhood i mean i've lived in the neighborhood i grew up in and um and it's funny some of banks's banks my son's in-laws moved in the neighborhood and so we we're uh there are a couple families and it's a big neighborhood so there are a couple families like that that have multiple generations and uh in the neighborhood but yeah it's uh it's a lot of fun
1: would you say that the, the old adage, the family that prays together stays together, uh, does your faith play a big role in, in your whole family or just with your wife or just with yourself? Is it mostly all of you who participate in some way in uh, worshiping together and, and having that faith?
2: Yeah, I, I would say, and we're all Christians, we're all Jesus followers, we're all um most of us have kind of mature – we're mature in our faith, and that's helpful. But really, I'd say it's more just we like to be together. We goof around. We um, – you know, it's it's not that serious, and it's a lot of fun, and we all love each other, and we all give each other a hard time. We, my Two of our kids went to Georgia, and so we – and one went to Florida State, one went to Auburn, so we're all kind of always – you know, giving each other a hard time about our teams and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Of course, Auburn, all the Auburn people have get, gotten the brunt of most of that as of late. So, uh, but yeah, we, it's a lot of fun. our uh, We just do love each other. It's fun.
1: It sounds like you also like each other. And I think that's a big one because a lot of us love our family. We don't necessarily like all of them or we try to, but that's a hard thing. It sounds like you guys like each other too. And I think that's great. Um, you have uh, Charles Barkley wrote uh, a nice, you know, paragraph about your book. How did you get him?
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's I, I would not say he's a great friend. He's a really good acquaintance. Uh, you know, we were at Auburn roughly at the same time. He's a couple years older than me, but we didn't really know each other then. When he's here in Atlanta, when they're doing the basketball program and he lives in the area where one of my really good friends lives. And so we've gotten to know each other that way. Um, we've uh, gone to a few basketball games together, had had a few meals together. So he was kind enough to, to do that. So I'm uh, I'm thankful.
1: Yeah, he, he seems like a great guy, and it's nice that uh, his name there is on the front of your book. Well, the book, again, is called The Side Road, Finding Joy and Purpose Through the Twists and Turns of Life. The author is Link Forrester, and with a name like that, you'd have to be famous or something, for real. Uh, you can't just uh, go off into the sunset with a name like Link Forrester. It sounds like you really are taking people, guiding them down the side road with all of your great anecdotes and Wonderful uh, sharing of your story, and thank you so much. Just I'm I'm really grateful that you were the the first show on our new station. And um, inspiration is usually my favorite thing, and uh, how tos and tips and guides because life is truly uh, can be somewhat puzzling, sometimes somewhat difficult, somewhat. Uh, you know, just trying to figure it all out. And you've got some wonderful ideas and beautiful stories to share in the side road. Thank you so much, Link Forrester, and um, continue having a wonderful life.
2: Thank you, Laura. Lots of fun. Really enjoyed it.
1: You're listening to The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: As we continue on with our winter reading series, I'm not used to saying that. Normally I have a summer reading series, uh, but now I have a winter reading series and I just love it um, because, you know, books come in all year long and people have uh, times when they're able to to sit down, curl up with a book, so to speak. And uh, winter time is such a good time for that, I would think. So I'm so grateful to have along someone today. Amy Joy Hess, she's a writer, she's a scientist, she's all sorts of things. And the book is Gunshot Witness, The Tim Remington Story. Uh, thank you so much, Amy, for being here. Appreciate it.
3: Oh, thank you for having me, Laura.
1: This story, yes. Well, uh, I happen to be... Um, somebody who loves any type of story that has a miracle force within it, something that someone could say, yeah, that was definitely a miracle, and especially when it's true. So um this is one of those, and you became engrossed in the story. You you don't live too far from the person that it's all about. Um The Tim Remington story, let's talk about Tim Remington. His name is ironic, isn't it? I know.
3: Isn't that funny? That's actually his name. But you know, I find that's true in life. I mean, the fellow who was a really nice young man who dated me in high school was Ed Goodman. Can you believe that? <laughs> and I had a doctor named Dr. Cutting. So, we in real life, some. <laughs> well, your, just- your middle name is
1: Joy, and you already, I can tell you, possess a lot of that. So, Amy Joy, um, okay. So, gunshot witness, something happened to Pastor Tim Remington that they're calling a miracle now because. I guess probably hardly anyone else has ever lived to um, recover and then go on to live a, an amazing life um, like this gentleman who was shot so many times. Um, let's take us back to the beginning where it all began, if you don't mind and tell us uh, it's on the very first page of the story, but tell us what happened.
3: On March 6th, 2016 pastor Tim walked out of his church And a fellow was out there waiting for him and basically unloaded a magazine of 45 hollow point bullets on him. And six of them hit him. Five smashed through his torso where all your major organs are are located. One blew through his arm and slammed into his head. And I spoke with a special forces soldier recently. He said, you know, you can get shot six times um, and survive, but... Getting shot six times with 45 caliber bullets, which are so huge. That's, that's remarkable. And he said, um, getting shot with 45 hollow point bullets, that's a miracle. You don't survive. It would have, it would make people's bodies mush. And Tim survived it. And the bullet that slammed into his head went through the bone and stopped right at the membrane of his brain, the outer membrane of the, the outer of the men- meninges. And so there's a there's actually a lot of different miracles involved in this story. It's it's incredible. Oh yes.
1: Um, One after but, another, uh, which I'm interested in hearing especially from the perspective obviously of someone who is believes in God, believes in miracles and, you know, indeed is the head of a congregation and yet who was interested in taking his life and what was I know a little bit of the behind the scenes, you know, sometimes You don't want to give credence to or give more attention to maybe a shooter, perhaps, um, that's done something like this. But what was the premise behind him getting shot? um, Did they ultimately find out?
3: Yeah, they originally originally thought it was politically motivated, but it wasn't. Kyle Odom had suffered some hallucinations or what Kyle Odom said. He wrote a 43-page manifesto and said that he was followed by these entities that bothered him constantly and harassed him and he believed that Tim was an alien from Mars and to help save the Earth, he needed to shoot and kill Tim and he was going to shoot John Padula, the outreach pastor Um and John just happened to not be there that day.
1: Uh-huh. So And so, you know, him thinking that he was an alien for for many people that suffer these type of hallucinations. I mean, they really do suffer hallucinations. And it isn't that basically schizophrenia on some level.
3: Yeah, they've they've called it schizophrenia. So it's not just us assuming Um, they've said it's schizophrenia. But Tim thinks that there's a spiritual aspect to it, too, because uh, these entities really do match the characteristics of what you would find in unclean spirits. They hate Jesus. They hate God. They can manifest things um, out of nowhere. They're interdimensional and they're full of hate and they're cruel and powered and hungry. So um, maybe it's all in Tim's head. I mean, excuse me, Tim's head, Kyle's head. Maybe it's all in Kyle's head, but maybe there's actually a spiritual dimension to all of this.
1: Yes and I know that there are many people that believe that there are many ways in which we open our people can open themselves up to these so-called unclean spirits and right. you know they they're well documented in the bible and and way up until till now where people feel that yes this is actually a real thing not necessarily just hallucinations but actual uh things that people can be inwardly tormented by and um sometimes need a it's, spiritual solution in order to dismiss
3: it's it's actually interesting how many people believe in spiritual warfare even if they don't know god you know they might not be christians they might not really have anything invested in a religion but they've got been tormented by spirits you know and so there's a lot of people will be like oh really you can defeat them you know how how do you defeat them how do we how do we get rid of them um and, and there's actually a spiritual dimension to this story, too, because at one point for a whole week, Tim was on the edge of life and death. And when he would close his eyes, he would see all these spiritual beings that were trying to attack him. And during that time, God protected him. So that's in the story too. It was a fascinating, fascinating book to write because of all the dimensions to it, the, the biological side of it, the spiritual side of it. And also my question was, why Tim? If let's say Satan wanted to take out Tim, why would, why, why him? And uh, so I explore that in the book too.
1: Well, at one point, when after he's been shot and he is sort of clinging to, or he's between both worlds almost, it it, does he not hear the voice of who he says is Christ asking him whether or not he wants to stay or leave? Um, Yeah, and and his obviously his decision was to stay. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, do you believe that um, that was a factor in his? his being able to live through this? Do you think that was that a choice given to him by a higher power, by God? Um, you, You know, you make the choice whether you stay or go. What is that what created then the miracle of his
3: survival
1: through this thing that most people would never survive?
3: Well, Tim makes the point, you know, that they didn't have a big prayer service right before all this happened. That God in his uh, sovereignty saved his life because one of the bullets that pierced his jacket hit his shirt and flattened before it ever entered his body. It never entered his body. And that one was found in his pocket. And that one would have hit him in the heart. So the heart shot got stopped. Right. He goes and he goes, Tim says, I'm not the man of steel. You know, I'm not Superman. So, uh, he feels that God just protected him straight up during that moment when God gave him a choice. Do you want to go home? Tim believed that, you know, he said, Lord, you know, I'll, I'll do what I gave my life to you. So if you want me to live, then I'll live. And, um, and there's been a lot of pain involved in all this. It takes a long time to heal from five giant wounds through your body. I mean, they were holes in him. Um, He suffered a lot, but the power of God working through him has actually been really, really amazing. And it's a story of hope, Laura. It's a story that God can rescue anybody and save anybody from anything.
1: Right. And interestingly enough, and in obviously his line of work, um, Tim Remington, who is the main the protagonist of the story, who who gets shot. He ends up visiting Kyle Odom in prison and be, befriends him, so to speak. Tell us about that relationship. What ended up happening with, with all of that? I mean, that, that takes a lot of courage to kind of get back on your feet and then take it upon yourself to minister, basically, yeah. to the person yeah. who tried to take your life.
3: Um, It started back at the very beginning where Tim's family said, hey, we want to let Kyle know that we're willing to forgive him and we want the world to know we don't hate Kyle at all and we're praying for him. So that started at the very beginning when his son Jeremiah said, hey, we need to let everybody know this. And then um, Tim looked forward to being able to go down and see Kyle in prison. And I think he's gone down several times and Kyle has slowly concluded that tim is not actually an alien (laughs) because first of all tim loves him and is kind to him and compassionate and these entities that bothered kyle so much were not compassionate or kind at all um but they're still praying and what tim wants is one day for kyle to be able to be freed from this this torment and to be able to stand up on stage with him and say hey god is good and he loves me too you know Yes.
1: So he's purely seeing it from from that standpoint, he, nothing personal, truly giving the whole situation over to God's God's hands. And so has, uh, has Kyle continued to have these so-called entities or maybe what just a scientist or a doctor would call schizophrenia? Has he had any alleviation from that?
3: As far as I understand, yes, I I wanted to be able to interview Kyle, but 2020 happened. And then you just couldn't go in and COVID got in the way. Um, But as far as I know, he still struggles with it. But he does have a reprieve when Tim visits. And he does have a reprieve when his parents visit. And they're both Christians. So that's interesting. And of course, they have him on medication, you know, the whole nine yards.
1: But I think that's amazing. So when Tim comes around him, he doesn't experience these tormenting voices or entities. Wow. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just and, and you know, the Bible talks about that. I mean, that's what Jesus was able to do in his presence. They all fled as well. So right. what an incredible story. How what is um, Tim Remington, the pastor of the church now doing with his life? All of this said and done. Has it sort of changed his trajectory as well? Or is he still kind of just you know, continuing with the Word of God and and trying to live his life and fully in that way.
3: How much has this changed him? Uh, One of the interesting things is it gives him actually a larger open door with people who've been in a lot of pain because Tim still suffers. His arm, uh, his right arm is still numb and it burns constantly. It's like it's constantly on fire and he suffers through that every day and it's a it really opens the door for him to help people who are also in constant pain mm-hmm. because he's not talking from, you know, an empty well. But Tim is a very gung-ho fellow and he has always been somebody who was out in the community. Um they have drug rehabilitation programs that they've had for uh twenty years, you know, that, that have helped thousands of people. And Tim is still involved in that. He's still very much involved in just helping members of the community. And actually, it was kind of funny. Uh, during 2020, he got appointed to be part of the state legislature. He never he never had an election. He did. He got appointed to replace somebody. So he's even been able to be involved at the state legislature to um, help the community. So, yes, uh, he's, he's that is amazing. In-
1: yes. As you talk about being, you know, kind of directed um, in your in your life, truly used by God as a witness. The book is called Gunshot Witness. The Tim Remington Story. And if you want a book that is true and that gives you hope, you see the power of miracles, the power of prayer, redemption, forgiveness, everything that makes the Christian walk one that is truly so meaningful and real and raw. Gunshot Witness is the book. Amy Joy Hess is the author and I you've done so much writing in your lifetime Amy and you're young um
3: are you do you have a lot more planned Oh uh, yes I I writers write you know that's what they do so so I have other books out there too I'm this is the first one I'm really promoting you know when you're when you're a ghostwriter for so many years nobody knows your name but I'm I'm really it's a lot of fun to be able to go out and tell this story because it really is a story it's it's not just Tim's story it's the story of of the church secretary Adela who used to be a very um skinny scabby meth addict and she's now this beautiful Brown Eye Girls, her story. It's the story of John Padula. It's um a lot of different stories of the miracles that God has done in real lives. And I um I really encourage people to write it, not just because I wrote it, but the the reason I'm writing it is because it's such a great story. And yeah. I just want the whole world to know
1: about it. Transformational. And books that do that are my favorite books in the world. Gunshot Witness is the book. Gunshot Witness by Amy Joy Hess The Tim Remington Story and you can find it on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold.
3: Yeah, that's right. Oh, and one more thing, Laura, all the proceeds from this are going to Tim's good Rehabil- good Samaritan rehabilitation program. So anything above our costs are going back into the to help people uh be able to afford going into the drug rehab program.
1: Oh my goodness. You'll be Sorry. transformed and you'll be helping Uh, save lives sounds like a win-win-win-win amy joy has thank you so much for joining us for the winter reading series here on the way home i truly appreciate this and have a wonderful rest of the
3: year hey thank you you too merry christmas
0: merry christmas you're listening to the way home with laura smith once again here's laura
3: well, it
1: is really down to the wire now. We've been talking a little bit about this throughout the last couple of months or so, but uh, Shannon Hills is here today. She is the CMS regional administrator, um, who uh, from healthcare.gov, who is talking with us about open enrollment, um, which is, I think, ending in just a couple of days from now. So, uh, Shannon, thank you so much for being here. This is a crucial time for people maybe who don't have an affordable a health plan, to jump on board and get one now because there are some new and and better ways uh, for some people to be able to afford one.
4: That That is so true, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. The open enrollment period at healthcare.gov has been open since November 1st, and December 15th is the date that we really want folks to make sure that they've gone online, reviewed the coverages available, and enrolled. And the reason that's so important is then coverage begins January 1st. So this is for individuals maybe who currently don't have health insurance, as well as those who may have purchased health insurance last year on healthcare.gov. We encourage individuals every year to review their coverage options, compare plans, see what's available and to enroll to make sure they start 2024 insured with health care coverage.
1: Well, it seems like this year, Shannon, that there are some really affordable uh, plans. And and this is because of something called the IRA, which isn't the IRA, IRA that we're thinking about. It is the Inflation Reduction Act, and it's making it more affordable than ever. Tell us about it.
4: Yes, it is. So nationally, We expect that individuals, four out of five individuals, will be able to receive health insurance for $10 or less a month. So that's super exciting. And that is due to financial help that has been extended through the Inflation Reduction Act. But I know what your listeners are really interested in is, what does that mean for me in Indiana? So a single woman, 30 years of age, making $30,000 a year can expect to find six plans under $10 a month. Or a 27-year-old man making $22,000 a year can expect to find 16 plans under $10 a month in Indiana.
1: That's really remarkable. And are these insurance plans, um, do they cover what we would think, you know, that they would normally, like doctor's visits and uh, prescription drugs, uh, what what kind of things do do they cover? Are they comprehensive?
4: You are absolutely right. These are high-quality, comprehensive plans. You've listed many of them, prescription drugs, doctor's visits, preventive care, and much more. And so when individuals go online to healthcare.gov, They're able to compare these plans, see the various options that are available, and really be able to see for themselves the comprehensiveness. They will also, when they go online and are a part of the enrollment process, they will be able to see how that financial help is going to be able to reduce their premiums, making health insurance more affordable than ever.
1: I know that with myself, it, things surrounding health care and insurance, uh, those are difficult for me. For some reason, I just can't wrap my head around them. I, I usually make sure that I talk with someone, you know, in person or over the phone. It's not something I feel I can navigate myself uh, you know, through a computer or, you know, on my phone or anything like that. So do they have, are there people at healthcare.gov that can actually speak with people over the phone and kind of guide them through the process to get them signed up?
4: They ab- absolutely are. So when an individual goes online to healthcare.gov, they will see a button titled Find Local Help." When they click on that button and put in their information, their community, they will be connected to an agent, broker, navigator, someone directly in their community in Indiana that will be able to talk with them over the phone and maybe even meet with them in person to be able to review the various plan options and really just provide that that assurance that the coverages that they are looking for are the ones that are going to meet their needs as well. There is also a toll-free number that is available with healthcare.gov. That phone number is 1-800-318-2596. That toll-free number is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and to ensure that every American is able to be communicated with in a way that is helpful for them. Agents are available to speak in over 200 languages.
1: And that is really incredible. And I think people are going to be very happy to know that if indeed they have not yet signed up for a health plan, they need to do so by December 15th. And this year, it is going to be affordable for people who really... Um, meet the criteria to get plans as low as $10 a month. It's really amazing because it, it's been a rough year for a lot of people. Um, such a challenge with the high prices of just about everything across the board, knowing that they can get a health plan that works within their budget is, is really great news. So Shannon Hills, thank you so much for coming on and reminding us of this. HealthCare.gov is the right website, you said?
4: Yes, absolutely. Healthcare.gov. And then the toll free number 1 800 318 2596.
1: Thank you very much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: And for our brand-new audience at WoWo, let me introduce to you a man that I call the guru of good news, Jim Cleefield. He is the voice of The Way Home and also the guy that goes out and finds the stories with a happy ending. How about that? Jim, what do you have for us today?
0: Well, we'll start this story in the bluegrass state of Kentucky, shall we? And, uh as a student, I never remember going into the principal's office because I got in trouble or anything like that. But here's the story of one of those troubled kids that has uh, a very happy ending to it. Uh, she's in college right now, and she was adopted. I'll tell you what happened. The story actually unfolds about uh, eight years ago, June 2015. Raven Whitaker-Smith is her name. She was an 11-year-old student at a middle school in Kentucky, and uh, she got into a food fight. She started it by throwing yogurt at another student. Well, to say the least, she got suspended, and you think, oh, boy, she's going to be in trouble now, right? Well, she ended up in the principal's office. Jason Smith was the principal here and he suspended her. But he was having a conversation with Raven and she said, he said, Raven, let me ask you this question. If you were out to dinner with your family, would you start a fight? And then she responded by this, I don't have a family. He said, wait a minute. Boy, do I feel like a jerk. Well, you know what happened? Jason decided to do something about that, to kind of turn this all around. Yes, he got suspended. She approached his wife, Mary Beth, about adopting her and giving her another chance of life to try to help her life get better. He just wanted to give back to her because she doesn't have a family. Well... Here's what happened. A short time after that in 2015, she moved in with a family, Raven did, and two years later in 2017, she was officially adopted. And now today she's doing really well. She's a junior at the University of Kentucky in Lexington, and she's doing so well. You know what her major is? She wants to be a social worker because she wants to give back to other hopeless kids that maybe need a second chance at life. But I think it goes back to the story here because Jason really just fell for her because she was living at a place called Holly Hill, which which is a, a home for foster kids, and she didn't have those role models, her mom and dad. They basically became that. They went through the whole training process, and now they really are just a wonderful, happy family. And Jason was telling a local broadcast outlet this. The reason why he ended up doing this, I think it kind of sums it up very, very well. He said, look... There are really no bad kids out there. It depends where you're raised. I mean, if you're not raised well in the home, your kid's not going to do very well. But if you have the loving and caring and compassionate and supportive system, your kids can be a success just like Raven is today.
1: I love that so much. Those are the heroes to me. People that really go the extra mile and see the need like that, especially when it comes to children. That need good families, loving family, And they step in, they step up And they change the lives And by doing that, change the world I love that so much Thank you, Jimmy, appreciate it And congratulations on episode 200 Here of The Way Home And Bob Small, my wonderful producer Woo-hoo. Who have been with On and off for 27 years. Thank you for making it all possible. And to all of you listening, it's so good to be a part of your radio family. And so I send you lots of love. Have a great week. All from the way home. I'm Laura Smith.